0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Four goals to Ablett. Oh, just a you guilty! Justin Madden's got the sit. One hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh, the post is back. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Thank you very much Matthew and welcome Australia to another edition of This Is Your Football Life. I say every week is special. Well it is. We just grade them. The name of this man will live forever as being one of the iconic names together with Barassi that has inspired so many young people to play the game at the highest level. And thousands of men have played at that level and some play and move on, others have more of an impact. And this particular name has had an impact on two generations. And it's my very, very uh, warm welcome to Ted Witten, Jr. in the studio today. Good on you, Teddy. G'day, Rex. Great to be here with you, mate. Well, it's great to be with you. And, it, you know, let's not uh, muck around from the start. You're here because of your surname, but you're also here because of your amazing career yourself. But tell us about your early years in short, growing up as the son of a legend, Ted Whitten, the king of the western suburbs, who was later to become the king of the VFL, AFL. Yeah, well, we go back a long way, Rex, but I, I have uh, vivid memories uh,
1: when I was a very young boy of uh, of my father being some type of a, a football hero, and I only recognised that as I got older, uh, to the true extent of what that uh, that meant, you know, and... And going to the uh, the football club, training with him uh, on all the nights that uh, they were training and, and all the games, uh, as the years went on, I realised that, uh, you know, my dad was a pretty special type of, not only a person, but a, a footballer of uh, some quality. So there was fantastic memories and uh, and that kind of all went through my football career when I started from the very young age of, uh, well, they didn't have under, under nines and tens no, in those days. Not uh, at all. They, they, I started in under 14s when I was eight. Goodness me. Uh, with the name Witten. Yeah. And uh, that had an effect from day one, uh, even though uh, at eight years of age it took me three or four years to get a kick. Yeah. But, um,
0: when you I, say it had an effect, did it have uh, a detrimental effect that you feel some expectation or you got a bit of ribbing? Oh yeah, that's what I mean. There was the lots of ribbing and yeah. uh, you know
1: comments on on the on the ground from uh, opposition players about my name and who my father was and and how I wasn't going to get a kick on the day and even from from young kids. So um, you know I had to uh, accept that and and just try and get on with it. But uh, as as the years went on, it it became more prevalent and uh, and got a bit harder. But uh, at the end of the day. I was used to it, I was ready for it, so it it didn't bother me in the finish.
0: Ted Whitten Jr. joins us on behalf of Tobin Brothers. We're celebrating the footy life of Ted Whitten Jr. Yes, he had a good career. He had a very, very good career out at the Western Oval. Let's just take a backward step. I can remember it might have been in one of the papers like the Argus or one of those ones back in the 50s. I could see Dad in an apron in a grocer's shop with a pencil behind his ear. And I want to highlight the fact that back then... You weren't uh, chauffeur-driven to the footy. You'd either ride your bike, get on Shanks Pony or the tram, and people actually had to work, and their main job was working. They played footy, you know, for a little bit of a pastime.
1: Yeah, correct, Rex. Uh, Dad did have a a grocer shop in Hampshire Road, Sunshine. Yeah. That was his full-time job because uh, there wasn't much money in football, Uh, Even right through to when he finished playing footy, there wasn't much. So he had to work to support the family. And, yeah, football was obviously a a fairly high priority in his sporting world. But um, that was a a great few years for him. I I do remember uh, at one stage there the great Lou Richards, Making a, a famous statement that uh, <laughs> if the if, a, if the bulldogs beat a, a certain team, I don't know what team it was, uh, he'd come out and uh, and cut our front lawn at the grocery with shop scissors. with scissors, with a pair of nail scissors.
0: Yeah, I remember another one. He might have actually uh, rode Dad across the Maribonong in a bathtub. <laughs> That's
1: right. And yeah. I can
0: remember the game was South Melbourne and South Melbourne was <laughs> lower shark droppings, and you couldn't get him. So Lou Louis the lip opened up, and here's Dad with the whip say, "Come on, Lou, uh, get me across there." Yeah. I want to take just uh, something what you said earlier on about under 8 you know 8 years of age under 13 sort of thing i've said to so many people that i'm a, i'm i'm really sad the under 19s is not there anymore because you played under 19s and you you didn't play under 19s nope. you didn't well i i must have uh, made a mistake there but but your junior footy uh it's a most important progress to get to the top level and uh, and and if you can really do well you're looking okay in the end
1: yeah, I, I played with a team called Footscray and Yarraville Socials in the uh, in the Western District Western Region Football League, the old Footscray District League. And as I said, no under eights, under nines, tens. I was under fourteen from the start and uh, progressed through under under sixteens, under seventeens, and uh, still could have played played under seventeens when I went up to the Bulldogs. Yeah. So I only went to the Bulldogs on one condition, and that was so I could play under nineteens. Never played senior football in my life. Yeah and uh what happened was we we all started training together at the bulldogs in that uh, year 1974 and uh, you play a few practice games and i never ever got to play in the under-19s yeah we uh, we just went straight through and i think it was game three or four that i i, uh, I got a game in the seniors yeah
0: uh, let's also t- talk about the offer from south melbourne and this is when uh, the boys at the western oval now the witten oval just thought to think gee, we might have something here, we better tie this kid up in the father-son rule. It went back right to those days.
1: Yeah, very, uh, very funny story actually. Uh, uh, we lived in the South Melbourne zone when there were zones around in those days. Uh, obviously I could have gone to the Bulldogs under the father-son rule and uh, I'm not sure whether the Bulldogs were just sitting back waiting for me to develop but uh, I hadn't heard anything from them. So uh, funnily enough, uh, one night I arrived home and uh, here is the coach of the South Melbourne football team sitting in my lounge room, Graham John. And uh, I said to Dad, what's going on here? He said, oh, well, look, uh, Graham John's just doing the right thing by his club. You're in their zone and they want to have a chat to you about, you know, your thoughts about uh, playing with them uh, next year or, or, you know, years going forward. And I said, well, you know, I don't really want to go and play with South Melbourne. He yeah. said, yeah, but don't worry about that. Have a talk to them. Bulldogs haven't said anything to you yet. Um so we did that and uh, next minute the doorbell rang and uh, there was a photographer from the Herald Sun who walked in. So you've guessed it, um, paper the next morning, back page, <laughs> Kid Whitten to go to South Melbourne. Um, it was all set up by Dad. Yeah. Uh, the phone rang the next day from the Bulldogs. Uh, within a week we had a contract signed to go to the Bulldogs uh, <laughs> with a nice sign-on fee and um, uh, that's the way it works. So he it was, was just a
0: wheeler and dealer. I can still remember... I don't know whether it was Bob Skilton or somebody else, they flicked the coin up and before it hit the turf at the yep. Western Oval, Dad had pointed to the Geelong Road end, which was being assisted by an 856-kilometre-an-hour northerly. Yeah, in the days when uh, <laughs> the umpires didn't look then, they just tossed it and <laughs>
1: run away. So yeah, that, that's that been done by, I think Skilton's even done it himself yeah. after
0: that. Yeah, but not as well as Dad. No. Um, did you feel any pressure from Dad? You know, all right, the, 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 you know, the son of a gun, the son of a legend, stick it up a that sort of thing were you pressurized at all for dad did he give you you know a bit of advice or, or did he just want you to make your own way under your own volition
1: yeah being a coach himself he he, uh, he left it to me to be able to uh, just do what I want to do out in the ground you know he wanted the coaches that I had to be able to teach me to play footy and he really offered me advice when I asked for it um, he was terrific that way there was no pressure from him at all he just told me to get out there and do the
0: best I can, but as long as I, I tried the hardest I could. And you were a rover. Uh, rover Cinnamon. Rover Cinnamon. You had a tremendous rapport with Kelvin Templeton, who broke a lot of fullbacks' hearts. There's no doubt about that. But you were a magnificent pass on the run, and that might have, might have taken a lot of time to get that skill of practice, a lot of practice. Yeah, I think
1: uh, as a kid, you know, we, uh, you don't see it much now, Rex, but, uh, you know, we used to play football, and practice football skills at the front morning, noon and night. And, yeah. um, you know, kick between the the, uh, the poles in the street and the and the bushes as goals. And I think, uh, as I said before, going to footy training with Dad every night, um, playing footy myself as a kid, we never had a footy out of our hands. Mm. We used to practice 20 goals in, 30 goals in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we used to muck around with the footy doing, it obviously creates a lot of skill. And, uh, yeah, I uh, eventually uh, had a fantastic rapport with uh, Kelvin Templeton. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we read each other very well because, you know, luckily I had the ability to kick on my left foot, which is yes. a, a great bonus. Yeah. And back in those days, uh, the, there weren't a lot of uh, both-sided um, kicks in footy teams. But... Um, you know, I, I practice hard on my left foot and in
0: actual fact, some people thought I was a better kick on my left foot than I was on my right. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those around there. Probably a bloke called Mitchell at Hawthorne is a good mm. example. Skilton reckons he didn't even know which was his right foot. That takes a, you know, that's not a freak. That takes a lot, a lot of practice. There's no doubt about that. Ted Whitten Jr. has joined us on behalf of Tobin Brothers celebrating the life of this marvellous man. And of course, we're going to mention his favourite father, EJ. Stick it up, and Whitten, Witten. Uh, Goggin and, uh, and Wade and Barry Price and McKenna I put up there as the two best to watch and you're not far behind out of the centre because when I started my broadcasting career uh, on 3RW then went to 3DB I can remember sitting in the grandstand at the Western Oval broadcasting that very, very set play so it was just great to watch and must be great memories.
1: Fantastic memories, yes. Uh, I mean...
0: 144 games
1: I was lucky to play uh, yeah. uh, before I uh, broke down at the age of 25. Yes. But um, some of the memories are terrific. And, uh, yeah, kicking the ball to Kelvin Templeton, who was you know, one of the best players I've ever seen, um, Brownlow medalist, uh, it was just a, a great...
0: Fun thing to do. You yeah. Know, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, it worked very well. The home ground advantage is almost a thing of the past. You know, you start to think of Geelong, you start to think of Perth and Sydney, that sort of thing now. But the Western Oval was a real fortress. It was either boggy and muddy or it was dry and a hundred mile an hour wind. And it was really something that you trained to. The, the worse the weather, the more you train because it might be like that Saturday afternoon.
1: Yeah, I don't think there was uh, any footy club who uh, who wanted to come to the Western no. Oval. Uh, you're right, the wind was howling, and uh, we uh, were taught very well how to uh, you know close the game up, and uh, we got the lead there, and uh, we did it very well. There were certain times where you had to play uh, a certain wing. And uh, I tell you what, uh, there wasn't many teams who got
0: away with a, a win out there. No matter where they were positioned on the ladder, we often had some fantastic wins. Yeah, tell us about your breaking down because a lot, not a lot of people, you know, people say, oh, you know, you have a look at your record, which is 144 games and Big V representative, that sort of thing. But at 25, it was recognised back then that they're just warming up. At 28 now, you're in the prime of your career. It was very disappointing. Three goes at trying to get the surgery right, and your body said no more. Today, it may well have been four or five weeks out with an arthroscope. Yes, that's true.
1: Uh, it was really disappointing to uh, to break down. We actually played in a uh, curtain raiser to the All-Stars Essendon game mm. for the Ash Wednesday bushfires. Yes. And uh, just a normal run-of-the-mill collision with a, a, an opponent, a Collingwood opponent, and uh, siren went at halftime. Well, after I sat down, I just I couldn't stand up. I couldn't move my leg. And I think it took uh, you know a couple of arthroscopies to find out what was actually wrong with the knee. Yeah. It was a posterior cruciate which I ended up having an operation with. Um, but the next year, the thing uh, snapped the game. Before I even played a game, it snapped the training, and uh, the same thing happened the very next year. So I had three years out. Yeah. Uh, but in those days, Rex, you come out with a plaster on your leg from your ankle right up to your hip, and uh, your, your thigh and your calf wither away. Then you're, uh, you take uh, six months to uh, try and recover, and it's just a totally different process now where you wake up out of an operation with your leg basically rotating And the surgery is so different as well. So, you know, I wasn't happy with uh, my surgery and uh, very disappointing because uh, I was hoping to continue my career. Um, That wasn't
0: possible. And, you know, to be able to retire at 25 was uh, pretty shattering, really. Ted Whitten Jr. is a star and his old man is just an icon of the game and it's great to have young Ted in the studio here today for Tobin Brothers. Take a break relays won't you please because we've got some fascinating stuff coming back some really inner sanctum stuff of the Western Oval and then probably the most poignant and profound moment of my broadcasting career that day at the MCG the state of origin when a father said goodbye to his family and the world at that very, very moving day at the MCG. Check us out on Twitter at RexFootballLife. It's all for Tobin Brothers Funeral. Ted Whitten Jr., we're celebrating your football life. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals.
1: Celebrating lives.
0: Celebrating the life of Ted Whitten Jr. on behalf of Tobin Brothers and thank you Relays right across the nation for joining us. And I'm really feeling comfortable that we're going to do some good here today. Not only celebrating the footy life of young Ted, but also convincing you out there, men, that go and get checked up. We'll get to that in a minute. I need to know the bottom of your thoughts when the Footscray board offered you Dad's number three and why you rejected the most famous number at the Bulldogs?
1: Well, Rex, uh, Alan Stoneham had the jumper. uh, I think it was a year before myself. Um, I just thought that, uh, you know, to make my own name in football, I I didn't need to take the number three. I had nothing to prove. I knew that I was never going to be as, as good as my father and I had plenty of people who were telling me that. Um, I also knew that I didn't have to be as good. If half as good would have been fantastic, but mm. you know, just to play a game of league footy, I just decided that uh, I wanted to make my own way in the game. If I was going to play and uh, do my own thing, I thought, well, let's just have a crack at it. I've had enough pressure on the way through with people expecting me to do this, that, and the other in regards to football. Let's just get out there, do my best, and and start my own. Game, I guess, yeah, uh, with my own number.
0: So, well, you certainly did. That's what I did. There's no doubt about it. Now we get to the tough stuff, but 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 you, as the uh, you know, the chairman of the Ted Whitten Foundation, know that since Dad passed, uh, you know, in shocking circumstances that you've saved lives. It must be a fantastic feeling to do something for the community in the memory of something that cost your dad his life. Uh, tell us about the first time that you and your mum found out that Dad was in a bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, well, I, I found out, Rex, uh, on the way home from a footy game at uh, Waverloo. I went with Dad, and uh, on the way home we, we actually stopped five or six times for him to go to the toilet. yeah. And when we stopped for the last time we we're standing on the banks of the of the Yarra believe it or not at the back of Leonda. Yeah. And he said to me I'm busting. Go I said on. well what do you mean you're busting? Yeah. I said we've stopped five or six times for you to go. He said I know but I'm busting and it's just coming out as a drip. I said well how long's this been going on? He reluctantly said uh, three or four years oh, of which no. which i was fuming about and i said yeah. and you've done nothing about it and he said no i haven't i haven't done anything i said well you are tomorrow yeah so we made an appointment to go and see a specialist and uh, and that news wasn't good it wasn't no. it wasn't good at all it was actually the worst news you could have ever received and you know he told us that uh, it was prostate cancer it was at an advanced stage and um, and that was the beginning of uh, three or four years of treatment it was a beginning of him going downhill and eventually, he succumbed to uh, prostate cancer, which had got into his bones. And uh, and for the reason, Rex, that he was unaware of um, prostate cancer, he didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. He, uh, he he certainly probably thought he was bulletproof, and he wasn't. Exactly. But he was also uneducated, mm. he, and like a lot of men were back in those days, they were un- uneducated about their health. Yeah. And um, and you know they were very reluctant, and a lot of men still are today. Yeah. Uh, reluctant to go to the doctor until they have a symptom of of, of anything. Instead of going to the doctor once a year for a general health checkup, which is what the U.J. Witten Foundation recommends now, um, and we're, we're saving a lot of lives by creating that awareness. And uh, if Dad had done that, he had have been having an annual checkup, not just for prostate cancer, but for all the other things that can go wrong in a man's life mm. as he's getting
0: older there's
1: a good chance that he could be still with us today.
0: Yeah. Uh, stick it up and was just a cat's cry. And the state of origin, your dad can take a bow because he just said, this is not a game. This is war. And it must have been tough on you and your family and uh, Ted's grandchildren, your children, to finally, uh, you know, see the great man succumb to this horrible disease. But to then so publicly have to say goodbye to him because that's what that state of origin game was in the back of that car with you and your three kids. It was dad. You're saying goodbye how tough is that yeah well it was it
1: was um, a bit of both it was a, a very proud day yeah um and a very sad day obviously yes. um he was lucky to be there to be honest he uh he was very weak he'd uh he just had a stroke and lost his uh his vision yes and um it was uh it took a lot of great effort from him to be there he, he donned the big big v jacket yeah. and tie for the for the last yeah. time And he decided he was going to do it. it was all prepared for him to do it, but he was so weak we didn't think it yeah. would happen. so he he made the decision he, uh, he went and had his hair cut and not that he had much hair, but he went and uh, had that done, put the blazer on and, and out we went. And, yeah you know, it was just an amazing emotion. It was a roller coaster of emotion yes, to look into the crowd and to see so many men, women, and children openly showing their emotion yeah. and um, at the same time. For me, it was a, a day where I had to look after him as well. Yeah. So it was a proud day for me to have all these people showing that emotion, whether they loved him or hated him in his footy career. No. They were still showing that emotion for him. Yeah. And, uh, and to have the kids in the car uh, with him, it's something they'll never forget, uh, let alone me. But um, I was in the position where I was, because he lost his vision, I was showing him where we were positioned on the ground, mm. uh, where the members were. Uh, where the broadcasters were so we could give a big stick it up them. Yeah. And it was just an amazing, you know, seven or eight minutes of, uh, I guess, uh, him saying goodbye to the football world. It was, and, yeah. Uh, and people who were at that State of Origin game who he was so passionate about, the State of Origin Um having the opportunity to say goodbye to him as yeah. well.
0: What did State of Origin mean to you? Because you and your own rights for your own ability and very good play earned the right to wear the big V. And I reckon, well, I won't, uh, you know, try and think what you're thinking, but I reckon you'd say, gee, the chest would puff out a little bit because I've done this not because of who I am, because of what I am.
1: Yeah, I was, I was very proud to be able to uh, be selected to, to play for Victoria and, and I know how, how proud Dad was because I knew how passionate he was about it. Um, I think we all knew his passion for uh, state of origin football yeah. as a, not only as a player where he played around 29 games yes. uh, for Victoria but uh, I think uh, as a chairman of selectors, um, he, he really uh, put his heart and soul into that and uh, I think he made something out of state of origin not only for himself and Victoria, but for the players who played it. Mm. And and they were, uh, and I think there's many of them who'd be uh, proud to say that, you know, they were not only playing for Victoria, but they were playing for Ted
0: Witten. Ted Witten Jr. joined us on behalf of Tobin Brothers. We're celebrating the life of Ted Witten Jr. Of course, there's a, a little bit to do with his famous father, E.J. Whitten. There's no doubt about that. A state funeral, public goodbye at the MCG, all fantastic Tell us when the EJ Witten Foundation was formed and the idea of having an annual match to bring awareness onto this scourge known as prostate cancer. Well, 1995 when Dad passed away
1: and uh, 2015 there was 20 years. So we're yeah. 20 years this Goodness year. Goodness me. Not only of uh, Dad's passing on August 17, but the uh, creation of the EJ Witten Legends game uh started or well, was put together in 1995, but the first game was 1996. Yeah at the Western Oval under uh, some uh, pretty faint lights that are uh, <laughs> out the back there at, in Gordon Street with Channel 9. And, yeah. Uh, Channel 9 is still with the game. Amazing. Um, it's been going 20 years, and, and it's been a, a fantastic game for the foundation. Yeah. It's the highest-profile event that we conduct in wow. as, in association with Baker Smith Management to uh, own and manage the game. And, uh, look, it gives us a great opportunity to be able to promote our cause uh, on a national Playing field. Um, It's now attended by 26 odd thousand people. Amazing. Uh, School holidays. And uh, and the television
0: ratings go through the roof. Through the roof, yeah. So there's a lot of people out there being targeted, and without uh, being simplistic, uh, Dad's plight and you and your committee to highlight it. There are people breathing air today that might not have been well they may have been a client of Tobin Brothers uh, to uh, cut a point there
1: well not only uh, through the game and and certainly the game puts out a lot of awareness about our cause Rex but um, through the work of the foundation and and we're involved in in a lot of different areas with various sporting bodies and and businesses we're involved with uh, communities and we continue to push the message out to men particularly obviously in in Australia about um, their own health and awareness of their own health And uh, a big part of that is obviously prostate cancer. Uh, And we regularly get information coming through to us, whether it's via email or personally when I go out to these particular functions, uh, where we have uh, people come up to us and let us know that because they've attended one of our functions or they've listened to myself or our doctors that we have at at each one of these functions, uh, they've gone to get a test, uh, not particularly about anything, but they've found out that they've had an issue, Mm. whether it's prostate cancer or whatever, and their life's been saved they actually say that you saved my life because of uh, what I heard and the fact that I went and got a check-up from the doctor.
0: Now, here's a curly one for you to end, uh, young Ted Jr. Um, I've been picked up on my radio career, not for the first time in 40-something years, but I keep calling them Footscray. Do you think, like North Melbourne when they were the kangaroos, do you think that one day the board might say, we've got to go back to what we are to Footscray? Or do you like... Does the Western Bulldogs tag sit okay with you as a Witten?
1: Well, not really, but I do understand that uh, you know the club had to move on. Yeah, they had to move uh, and and create a, a new image for itself with the National Football Competition. Uh, I still think they've got a, a bit of a history now with their uh, VFL side playing as Footscray, and I I think from memory they've still got Footscray written on the back of their jersey. Yes, they have. Um, so. Um, Look, uh, Footscray's obviously in, in me. Uh, we've lived in the western suburbs all of our life. We're Footscray people. But I understand that uh, the club had to make a move and, and go forward in the, in the new competition and, yeah. and try and expand, get new members and sponsorships,
0: etc. They've got a spring in their step this year, but they've just had a couple of stumbles at the last couple of hurdles. But as Dad said, we've got to get up and go again. It's real western suburbs versus the rest sort of syndrome. And uh, they had a bit of spark. And if they had it once, uh, they can get it back. Yeah, I'm sure they can. Look, they started off really well, um, play, playing a, a fantastic new
1: brand of football yeah, under Luke Beveridge. Yeah, exciting. Beverage. Their run and carry of the football has been uh, terrific, and uh, everyone's noticed that. Uh, yeah, they've had a couple of stumbles in the last few weeks, but uh, I'm sure that uh, you know they've got a great belief in themselves, and, and they'll, they'll bounce back because uh, the way they've started, they've shown that they've got some, some great new abilities, some great maturity in a few of the boys, and uh, I'm sure they'll bounce back uh, not only this week, I played greater Western Sydney this week, but uh, who knows where they're going to finish up this year.
0: I've hardly looked at my notes because it's just so easy to chat with. I think I'm sitting here with your dad who uh, said I'm going to kill a copper today at uh, Western (laughs) Oval in 1968. And I tell you what, the old valve tightened up a bit. But great memories and, and, and great highlight the fact that you were a pretty good player yourself. And Ted Whitten Jr., this has been your football life. Thanks, Rick. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals. What would TJ think about Facebook? Follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. This has been This Is Your Football Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating the footy life of Ted Whitten Jr. And join us next week from 7.30am Sunday morning on 1116 SEN.